Imagine if Cincinnati was awarded the Super Bowl. Tons of diehard fans travel from all over. Scrambling for tickets, jostling for parking places, buying souvenirs. They're eating, they're drinking, they're tailgating, they're cheering, they're screaming, they're enthused. Each one has waited all season for this moment. Imagine the hustle and bustle, the anticipation, the excitement. Businesses, shops, restaurants, and bars all preparing for the onslaught of customers. Imagine the TV news teams, media reps from all over the world descending on our city. The energy and excitement is palpable as all eyes turn to Cincinnati. This was the spirit of the air and Passover in Jesus' day. There was music, there was fun, there was commerce, there were people coming from all over the world. In fact, the historian Josephus tells us it was over 2 million people descending from all over the Roman Empire that came to Jerusalem for this feast. The multi-billionaire King Herod had built the temple itself to accommodate huge crowds and to be a center of Judaic commerce. In fact, as folks gathered together, what they would notice is not only was this a giant landmark, but it was made out of rocks or beams that were literally 50 foot long, 6 foot tall, 4 foot deep, that were put together to construct the temple. In fact, it had the dimensions of a modern day sports arena, much like you might see at Paul Brown Stadium. This was not just a national party. Passover was a festival of forgiveness. People made long, treacherous journeys to the one place they could find reconciliation with God. You see, anyone could be forgiven of anything, but not at any time or any place. God had given clear instructions how you could find forgiveness at this particular place, the temple, at this particular time, the festival of Passover. So imagine yourself seeking forgiveness on that day. You've traveled from all over the world to this moment in Jerusalem. You brought with you a perfect blemish-free lamb. Before entering the temple, you step into a mikvah, like an outdoor bathtub. You want to be clean before coming into the presence of God. You stop and have your lamb checked. You want to make sure that he really does qualify. You go through security points to make sure that you don't bring anything inappropriate into the temple. And like Super Bowl, you need a ticket to get in. And your ticket is your perfect lamb. I mean, you are excited. Like a football fan has waited all year for the big game. You have waited all year for this moment to find forgiveness with God. This is your chance to have a clean slate. Yet there's a good chance you're tired from all of the work and all of the sacrifice and all of the travel. You're worn, exhausted, but you're ready to find peace with God. So anyone could be forgiven of anything, but not at any time or any place. In fact, travel with me. Let's go back 10 years ago to a commercial that came out. There's a commercial that said, have you ever searched the Internet while sitting at the beach? You will. Just 10 years ago, have you ever worked on a Word document or a PowerPoint while up on the top of a mountain? You will. Have you ever got on the Internet from the palm of your hand, it said? You will. And at the time, it was unfathomable that the power of a desktop computer with all of its computing power and hard drives could be in the palm of your hand, that it could actually go mobile. Let alone 50 years ago, a, a NASA supercomputer that took up an entire floor of a government building. It was incomprehensible that that computing power could one day be mobile. If you were to talk to a follower of Judaism 
about the idea of forgiveness going mobile. It would be unthinkable. God had set up a way to find forgiveness. It was the temple with its sacrifices, with its journeys. It was in one place and one location in the world. The idea that that could be mobile forgiveness just couldn't even be comprehended. And yet the message of Easter and the message of Jesus is that Jesus brought mobile forgiveness. And we're going to look at how Moses' Passover points us to Jesus' Passover with hopes that the gift God has for you this Easter and the gift he has for me is that he wants forgiveness for you and then he wants forgiveness from you. Having received forgiveness from him, you can pass that on to others. Let's begin by looking at Moses' Passover. You see, God said there was a time and place to find forgiveness. That's why two million people travel to this time and this place. Even Jesus and his family, every year, his parents, Jesus' parents, took him to Passover. That was the time, and they took him to Jerusalem. That was the place. And back in the book of Exodus, God had laid out very specific instructions on how to find forgiveness. You were to go into your flock and find your best lamb, your perfect, blemish-free lamb. You were to actually find a lamb that was not only that, but that he was firstborn, that he was blemish-free. And you were to bring him on the 10th of the month into your home, and you were to keep him in your home until the 14th day of the month. Now, why is this? I mean, those days you made your own meal. Kids were used to going out and getting lamb chops for dinner. They would go out into their flock and bring it in. But God wanted the flock not to be something external way out there. He wanted to be personal, something close. So you would bring the lamb close up. Now, again, in our culture today, where we try not to imagine where the chicken or the hamburger came from, this may seem barbaric. But all of a sudden, four days hanging out in your home, and this this lamb became a pet. You probably named him. You loved him. It became very personal. Then imagine the power of the lesson four days later on the 14th when you turned to your kids and said, now this, this thing that we love, this innocent, perfect, very valuable lamb is going to have to die for our wrongdoing. It's our gossip. It's our self-centeredness. It's our demanding of our own way. It's our unkindness. It's the way we speak to one another in a derogatory way. Because of that wrongdoing, something that we love has to die. And all of a sudden, they began to understand the cost and the bitterness of wrongdoing. In fact, part of the Seder service, as they celebrated together, was to take a piece of matzah. You would break the matzah, and you would dip it in the bitter herb. God had commanded them to dip into the bitter herb. The the bitter herb was a way of remembering the bitterness of bondage. Sure, the bondage politically to Egypt for 400 years, they were in bondage, and God released them from into a time of freedom. It was also the bondage of living a life without forgiveness. Not knowing that you could be free from the chains of guilt and shame. But it was also, in eating of the bitter herb, you taste of the bitterness of wrongdoing. You'd say, wow, that's, that's what addiction tastes like. That's what unforgiveness tastes like. That's what lust tastes like. That right there, that's what covetousness tastes like. That's what intolerance tastes like. That's what perfectionism tastes like. And you had a very tangible way to connect a sensation of bitterness to wrongdoing. And then God said, and because of the bitterness, there's a high cost to forgiveness. This perfect, blemish-free lamb had to die for you. So at twilight, you were to kill the lamb. And you were to eat it that night. 
as part of the festival, that something died for your provision of, of food. And then you would take the blood of the lamb and you would put it on your doorpost. That something innocent, something you loved, something valuable would mark your home. It was a way of saying, boy, my life is not all put together. I'm not living the way I fully should. Therefore, something had to die in my place. And by doing that, God said that his fairness, his impartial justice would pass over you. That you would no longer feel shame or guilt because God, instead of giving you the consequence of what you did, his justice would pass over you. To which you might say, oh, that's sort of an archaic idea, isn't it? A God who judges, a God of justice. Aren't we beyond that? As if somehow that makes God more forgiving. But I don't think it does. Isn't there something in the human psyche that says, I need to make amends for what I've done? I need to make up for what I did? I need to pay for my crime? Or you need to pay for what you've done? Or they need to pay for what they've done? There's something in all of us that knows that when we do something wrong, we should get fair, impartial consequences. And robbing God of his justice doesn't solve that. But here at the Passover, God is just... And yet he is merciful and forgiving. He made a way that his justice could pass over us. Which is why thousands of years later, there was this expert in the law, Jewish law, trying to describe the message of Easter and Jesus and the good news. And he said, you know, the best way to describe what Jesus did is this. It's like now that he was here, anyone could be forgiven of anything. But now it could happen at any time and any place. Yes, how could I describe it? He says, Jesus, our Passover was sacrificed for us. That's the message. He is the perfect lamb. He is the male child of God. He is the son of God, the very best God had to offer. And he was innocent and he loved us and he didn't deserve to die. Yet he chose to take our punishment for us. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, was celebrating Passover. He too dipped in the bitter herb, but you would not dip into the bitterness by yourself. You always dipped with someone. A way of saying, I will suffer with you. I will go to the mat with you. Because we suffer together, we're willing to die for one another. And do you know which of the disciples Jesus chose to dip with that night? Judas Iscariot. For he who dips with me will be the one who betrays me. He dipped with Judas a way of saying, I'll go to the mat for you. I will suffer for you. I will love you. I will never abandon you. Knowing that Judas, just a few hours later, would sell him out, stab him in the back for 30 pieces of silver. Because God wanted you to know that he came to offer forgiveness for people who betray and people who gossip and people who lie and people who don't keep their word and people turn their back. And Jesus said, though you will not suffer with me, I will suffer for you. And though you will not keep your promises to me, I will keep my promises to you. And with that, Jesus became our Passover. And he said, I am now the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. And everyone is welcome to come and find my forgiveness. Everyone is welcome. And now forgiveness begins to go mobile in very powerful ways. One day Jesus is teaching in somebody's home. The crowds are gathered. Nobody can get in the door. All of a sudden they hear noise coming from the ceiling. And they're ripping across the the top of the ceiling. And all of a sudden some friends lower down their buddy who's paralyzed. They wanted to be close to Jesus. Jesus, seeing their faith, say, you're healed, get up and walk. But before he says that, he says, your sins, your wrongdoing is forgiven. To which the crowd is aghast. Whoa! 
the religious leaders cry out, blasphemy! This guy's claiming to be God, as if all wrongdoing is an affront to him. That's exactly what he was doing. He's saying, I'm God in the flesh and I can forgive. But here's what's even more powerful. He's saying you can now be forgiven here in your living room, not just at temple. You can be forgiven right now, not just at the festival of Passover. This was revolutionary that Jesus could bring mobile forgiveness for any of us at any time and any place if we'd call out to him. Just a few months ago, I was in Hollywood. My brother and I haven't been speaking for about four, four and a half years. I've been trying to reconcile every six months, email, phone call. So I was heading out to Hollywood where he lives and I put in several requests to meet and he didn't want to meet or we couldn't find a way to agree on enough of the facts to meet. And finally, last minute, he said, well, tell you what, I'll meet you at 530 in the morning. Oh, I hate mornings. I hate mornings. But I'm like, well, I guess if Jesus died for me, I can show up at 530 in the morning. So 530 in the morning, I showed up to meet with my brother at this podunk cafe. It was like Mel's Diner from that old TV show, Alice, or maybe Monk's Cafe from Seinfeld, or maybe Krusty Krab from SpongeBob. But just this crummy old place. And from 530 to 730, we talked and we listened, and we, there were tears, and there were, oh, is that really how you see that? And after two hours, there was a lot of, will you forgive me? And I'm sorry. And we still don't agree on all the facts. And the motivation was not that he suddenly earned my forgiveness. <laughs> and I'm sure he didn't think he, I earned his forgiveness. But because we'd been forgiven of so much, we had to extend forgiveness to others. And here's what's amazing. That crummy old diner. In Hollywood, California, became holy. There was a holy spot in California for a moment. You know, it's unfathomable, isn't it? But this is what happens with the message of forgiveness. All of a sudden, a cafe, a living room can become holy because in this moment, forgiveness from God becomes mobile. Which is why in Ephesians, Paul will write and say, just as God has forgiven us, we should forgive others. And the story of Easter is not just that he died for us, but that he rose from the grave. He defeated death. He went to heaven and he sends his spirit to live in those who ask him to be their Passover. And now that his spirit lives in you, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? God lives here. He gives you peace and hope and joy and forgiveness. God lives here. No longer do you go to temple. You are the temple. And now there are millions of temples, those who choose to to trust in Christ as forgiver. And wherever you go, you bring the forgiveness of God with you. And you extend that forgiveness to others. It's mobile forgiveness. It's available to anyone, at any time, at any place, for anything. In fact, a woman named Anita Smith was interviewed on Anderson Cooper. She's in her late 20s, early 30s, and she's already a widow. With a young child. Her husband Ronnie was killed. He was an English teacher in Libya. Quietly living out his faith in Jesus Christ. Teaching English to those who believed in a different religion and a different culture. And one night he was gunned down. His wife that very evening that her husband was killed. Wrote an open letter to the faces I've never seen. To those who killed my husband. I want you to know I forgive you. And what my husband would want and what I want more than anything is for you to know the forgiveness of the God we know through Jesus. Anderson Cooper had her on television the next night. He said, this is remarkable. 
I mean, maybe six months or a year later, but two days ago you lost your husband and you're expressing a kind of forgiveness and love I've never seen before. This is remarkable. You are remarkable. To which she says, I'm not remarkable. God has put this in me because his forgiveness is remarkable. Anderson Cooper again is stunned and said, this is remarkable what you're saying. To which she says, I hear people speaking with hate and anger and blame over Ronnie's death. But that's not what Ronnie would want. I want all of you, all the people of Libya to know that I'm praying for the peace and prosperity of Libya. May Ronnie's blood shed on Libyan soil encourage peace and reconciliation between the Libyan people and God. To which God would say, may Christ's blood shed on earthly soil encourage peace and reconciliation between the people of earth and me. Jesus brought mobile forgiveness. My encouragement to you is to make this the time, make this the place that you could have Passover from God and offer others Passover from you. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait another week, another year. Make this the time. Make this the place that you can say, God, I need that. I want that. I want a guilt free, shame free existence. I want to trust you today and now to be my Passover. And. If you made that decision years ago, maybe today's the day you offer Passover from you to others. Did you say, if God passed over my wrongdoing, maybe today's the day I decide to let my grudge pass over someone. My unforgiveness will pass over someone. My justice pass over someone. God went to great extents through history to point people to his solution to the problem of guilt. And he's waiting for you to call out. He's waiting for me to call out. He's waiting for us to say, I want that and I want to extend that. And don't you have somebody in your life, a, a, a son, a daughter, an old business partner, an ex-spouse who wronged you years ago? And you would love, you would long to get that email, that text, that Facebook post that just says, I'm so sorry for what happened. I realized how bitter what I did was. Will you forgive me? how God feels towards you. He's just waiting for you to call out. He's waiting for you to say, I want that, I want that, I want that. He wants you to wake up. In fact, the band's going to come and do this song that talks about waking up to the reality of love, waking up to the reality of forgiveness, waking up to the truth that what God has for you. And the challenge, the question I've been thinking about for the last couple of months is this. If forgiveness was made mobile for me, Shouldn't forgiveness be mobile from me? If this message really is true, and if I believe it, and if I've received it, that means God made forgiveness mobile for me. Then who am I to hold a grudge? And who am I to hold back on grace? And who am I to hold back on mercy? If forgiveness was mobile for me, shouldn't it be mobile from me? The message of Easter is powerful. Anyone can be forgiven of anything. And now, it happens at any time and any place. You know, whenever they finished celebrating the Passover, they would play the lyre. And they would play music together and sing songs of gratitude to what God had done. Just this week, we got a chance to visit John and I, someone who is in the hospital, who's in their last days or hours or certainly weeks. 
And we said, well, how can we serve you and your family during this time? And they said, well, we've been thinking a lot about forgiveness. And approaching the end of our life, we want to know for sure that we're forgiven and have peace with God and we have family and friends around to make sure we have forgiveness with one another. That's what we're thinking about these days. I thought that's the message of Easter, that you can know for sure that you have forgiveness with God and it can be the motivation to find forgiveness with others. So I want to give you a chance to respond to God in your own heart, maybe to tell God what you want or what you need on this day and in this place. Let's bow our heads together. You can say this in your own words, in your own heart, but something like this. God, I understand the, the bitterness of my own wrongdoing. God, I need help. I need a forgiver. I thank you that you are my Passover. I'm trusting you to pay for what I've done. And I invite your spirit to come and live in me and give me the power to forgive others. Maybe you want to mark this moment by telling God exactly who you're going to forgive today. God, I'm choosing today to allow my judgment to pass over and tell God who that is. As you make that decision to trust God for the first time or to extend Passover for the first time, God says it's at this moment Christ the Lord is risen today, right now in your heart, right now in the temple that is you. That right now you can proclaim the forgiveness and the love and the goodness of a God who loved you and extended his love through you. God, we thank you that Christ the Lord is not only risen 2,000 years ago, but that he is risen today. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand and sing with us? Christ the Lord is risen today. We are so glad you chose to join us this morning. Please take that amazing gift, the most amazing gift, the forgiveness of God. Take it out in the world today. Share it with somebody. Happy Easter. We'll see you next week.